Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers, back with you after some off-mic technical difficulties, the likes of which this show has never seen. Yeah, I don't know what it was. What was going on. I think on. we just rolled through four different mics, five, a total of five. Right. Separate mics to get Gavin to be able to record tonight's episode. Yeah. And so I think the podcast gods are like, hey, you guys don't really need to talk about the little things. <laughs> the world is fine without your commentary. But as they say, Noah, the show must go on. Yes, it must. Even though it's an hour after the original start time. I love that anytime you actually do show up here early. Something happens and we have to take forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, where the cookie grumbles, as they say. Yeah. Okay. Uh as mentioned, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna talk about the little things. This is uh, my money, my money He's son let uh, part two, and the little we, things review. And I mean, the big question: did did you win your bet or not? I, I guess that is the I guess that's the the debate of this episode, and yeah. whether this whole joke was worth all of the setup, whether there was actually a payoff. Who knows? Uh, we'll do a little what we've been watching at the top, maybe beforehand. We will go spoiler free and give our kind of overall reaction, and then we can't really talk about um, my thoughts fully without delving into some spoilers. So That's we'll fine. save that. No, no, we can do that. But like a lot of people are watching it this weekend, so you know, hopefully you caught up with it. We can. And I think this. I'm gonna. I think this is gonna drop on Wednesday. Yeah, people so have we had can, time. Yeah, we'll just do it. Uh, and then also we got this is becoming a little trend and I like it, but we get we got another feature this yeah. episode. Miss uh, Miss Becky Drake uh, is is rejoining us. She was on the first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cobra Kai, New Year's Day, Hangover Binge Along. Mm-hmm. It was a fun time. Oh yeah! And uh, she's gonna give her thoughts, her two cents as well on the little things you guys recorded that. So I look forward to hearing her thoughts because uh, I think we're we're pretty split on this one. Yes. So, uh, before we get into that, shall we? What have you been watching? Well, I finished The Leftovers. Me too. That's pretty much the only TV I was doing. Great experience. Glad I did it again. I think it is officially maybe my third favorite show of all time. I'm surprised how much the piano cover of Where Is My Mind was used in the second season. Because the overall theme has that piano going through it, and it's kind of starts out like it's yeah. where's my Ma- mind. Max Richter's score, and that I mean, it does so much. I mean, the acting is there a hundred percent, but that score does so much heavy lifting. Where it's just like, if we just need to put you over the edge, if you're already like, just like, oh my god, uh, when you hear that score start to creep in, you're always just like, oh man, I'm about to get wrecked. Like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, I got so much more out of it. A second time through and really like appreciated the first season in a way that like I, I just remember in general some people were down on it and I loved the show from the get-go and then a lot of people like came around in season two um, which I felt just like got just up the ante and got better and better and then revisiting three as well which I, ha- I didn't rewatch any of those episodes was was fantastic I really like how they rounded everything out highly yeah. recommend it to anybody right now and has weirdly taken on like a whole other layer of meaning given the year we just went through. Yeah, so. it's. I mean, and I've told I've told a few people like if you if you have anything that you're dealing with, it's it's kind of a weird go to thing for like 
processing in general. Yeah. You know, even if you want to get to it as like, even if you want to use it as a tool of, well, hey, at least like half the world isn't gone. That's a great thing just to start there, you know. But I mean, going into like looking how people cope at things, how they deal with things on a grandiose scale, what that does to the society and the world's population at large. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit in there you can pull to like help if you're going through anything on your own personal in your own personal life that might just be a little bit too much. It's like, hey, you know, even if it is, hey, these are bad ways to handle things. It's like yeah. still and still I, beneficial in that regard. Definitely. I feel like. I wonder if also the first season, which again a lot of people complained about just being like way too bleak and like, why'd you make me watch some of that sort of vibes? Mm-hmm. I feel like people are also a little less or a little more numb to that, I feel like. And so it the first season doesn't play as harsh and as like uninviting as maybe it did in years past cuz people did, are like when it come it all out? at this point. What? The first season's 2014, 2015? Yeah. Same year as True Detective. They were airing yeah, we, in like parallel. Yeah, we were like. all like in a better place as a country then. Yeah. So like after 2016, and that's why I, all the clubs are off. And, and like, it doesn't matter. The leftovers in True Detective season one, two of the darkest yes. like opening seasons to any series. Yeah. So, but yeah, I I highly recommend going back through it if you have HBO Max, uh, which presumably you do if you're listening to this episode because you hopefully watch the little things. Or if you don't, and you're asking if this is a reason to get HBO Max, we'll say Gavin will say, yeah, dude, you should totally get HBO Max. Not for this movie alone, but, like, it's not a bad thing to have on there for free for 31 days. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to hear why you gave it the well, rating we'll, you gave it. Well, we'll talk about it in a minute. Right. I finished Twin Peaks The Return. Okay. Which I think is officially my favorite show of all time. Okay. No surprise there. So, And then I think Six Feet Under is still number two. All right. I don't know where it goes after that. But I've just been re-watching stuff because there's nothing really out right now except for WandaVision. Yeah. Which you told me you have not started yet. No. I'm, which I highly it, recommend that you do. They're four it, deep right now. Yeah, that? I'm waiting for... That's one of those I'm waiting for. You're just going to wait for it and binge it? Yeah. I mean, I did it with that with Mandalorian. At least up until last... I, like, I episodes. enjoy the week-to-week yeah. of Mandalorian and of WandaVision now. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Like I said, they're four deep. I don't know if it's going to be eight like Mandalorian or it's going to be a little bit longer. We'll see. But that's the only like new new thing that's currently airing that I'm watching. I did crank through season four of search party which is available on hbo max another another we're just we should just change this to an hbo max show i guess yeah that'd be great we're halfway there see our episode hbo maxing and more yes (laughs) Uh, okay trying to see if there's anything i can mention that doesn't interfere with our two by two retro review for February, Ooh. which we'll be announcing at the end of this episode. Stay tuned. And uh, I really don't have anything. Search Party Season 4, though, thoroughly enjoyed it. A little bit of a dip down for me compared to the previous season, but I had fun with it. They definitely took it in some crazy new directions. There are some awesome cameos, which are already spoiled in the trailer, so I don't feel like it's spoiling them here. Susan Sarandon is in this season in a hmm. very wild and fun role. Hmm. Uh, one that is not in the trailer, but I was pleasantly surprised by is Ann Dowd, Patty Levin from The Leftovers. Oh my God. And, you know, of course she's in Midsommar and pretty much anytime she shows up, you're like, oh yeah, she was. Yeah. She's in everything. She was in Midsommar. I forgot Uh, about that. She's in a great movie called Compliance. I feel like that's where she popped for most people initially. If you've never seen Compliance. I don't think I have. Great. Based on a true story. Super fucked up. 
really good movie though. You should okay. check it out sometime. It's a one and done kind of movie though. I'll never watch it again. Uh, yeah. Okay. Put it on the list. Yeah, compliance. I don't know if you know this story. There's this guy who would cold call restaurants, pretend to be a police officer who was oh, calling no, about no, no, employees. No, 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 don't talk you about this. this no, story? I know this fucking story, dude. I just yeah, listened to so true. Compliance is the movie, which I, if I'm not mistaken, is directed by Craig Zobel, who directed the International Assassin episode of The Leftovers. Everything is connected. I want to make sure I'm she correct. Play, and on she that. plays who now? She plays the manager. She plays the manager at the fast food restaurant. And her, who she calls her husband the up the there. Yeah, like, you've yeah. seen it. I okay. haven't seen it. Oh, okay, I know the you story. know the story. Uh, yeah, so to, it's you, either Case File. I think it's Case File. Yeah, Case Files episode. Dude, on hell that. yeah, I called it. It is Craig Zobel, and yeah. yes, he is the director of the International Assassin episode. Yeah, dude, that's super. And I think up. probably uh, the most powerful man in the world and his identical twin brother as well. Probably. I think they brought him back for that one. Uh, he owns yeah. the dreamscape. Yes, I suppose. So yeah, Ann Dowd makes everything better. So she popped up in Search Party Season 4. She was fun in there. It's it's a wild, crazy season. I highly recommend it to people. If you haven't been on, on board, you now got four seasons. You got 40 episodes just waiting for you there. Hmm. Great little half-hour, dark, cynical, uh, modern comedy. It's good. It's good. I like it. Okay. We got anything else, or are we, are we diving in? I got... Four movies. Okay, lay them on me. Uh, Midnight Sky. That's the Clooney Netflix one from last year? Yeah. Didn't catch it. What's Don't. Your, what's your... What? Don't. Okay. Don't waste your time. Gavin didn't like a movie for once. Don't waste okay. your time. Don't um, waste your time. Wow. It's like it's like he... Not even a, a soft, like, you know... I'm, I'm surprised to see you so negative. Looks so tell pretty. me, what's, what's wrong with Looks Midnight pretty. Sky? Okay. What? Why? I get it. He wrote and directed it. It's great, but it's like it's like he was in Gravity, and he was like, you know what? I can do this. I want to be Sandy. I want to be Sandy. Yeah, I want to be but Sandy. On the ground, I'm gonna yeah. flip it with a beard. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I want to like instead of just listening, I want to see the thing that isn't there. Okay. There you go. Oh, so, see. Oh, you see. You just spoiled the whole movie. I did. Okay. I don't. Don't. Don't worry about him. Okay. I mean, if you like Kyle Chandler, you're good. Um, all right. Don't know what happens to him. We all know what happens to Clooney. It's just not, I don't, I get it. That's cool. You get it right and direct. That's awesome. I didn't make a movie, so fuck me. But at the same time, like. <laughs> okay. I reached a point in my life, Noah, where like there's so much shit. I need something to grab me. Right. You don't know how many movies I've turned on in the first 10 minutes. If I'm not like, oh my God, I'm like, fuck this, I'm done. And I'll go to the next thing because there's just so much. And I don't want to waste my time on that. But I knew it was a big thing. Very interested when we get to our review what you thought of the first 10 minutes of this movie. But okay. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Um, anyway. Okay, I'll The Midnight Sky. Yeah. Big thumbs down from uh, from Gavin. I have not seen it myself. I am admittedly far less inclined to, to no, dive into I it would. now that you're like don't bother if you're telling me don't bother i yeah yeah killer joe never seen it before oh wow was that a play yes it was that it feel it felt like a play yeah it was really weird it just felt i kept watching i'm like am i watching a fucking play right now it's, it's especially the staging of it it's a tracy let's play uh-huh if i'm not mistaken the original killer joe i think is scott glenn 
on stage. You know, I, that, that, I think you're right. I thought I heard him mention that with um, the Marin Mark interview, Marin, which yeah. I listened to. Uh, How'd you like it? It was fantastic. What'd you think of the whole thing about him converting to for his wife, dude? I thought that was just like a great. Oh, he's a, story. the fact that he's a Jew. I had no idea, and I was like, that's like awesome. And yeah, the whole story. People go listen to it. We don't have to ruin it here, but yeah. I was no. like that at that point. I was like, oh man, I want him to be my dad. Like, <laughs> I want him to be Kevin Garvey Senior. Come on, for man. Sure. Yeah. Um. Killer Joe. What, you, did you have more to say about it? I mean, I love that movie. Oh yeah. It's yes, it amazing. is based on a play. It's a Tracy Letts play. Uh, Tracy Letts also wrote the play Bug. Okay. Um, I think Michael Shannon is the Emil Hirsch role originally on Broadway with Scott Glenn oh, as Killer dude. Joe. If I'm not mistaken, did they not? I'd have it? to look that did up. They not or maybe he's the Thomas Hayden Church. Either way, part. dude. Those two? Did they not? But put yeah, it on if film? we could find that, I would. Oh love my to god, see it. I would pay anybody but, what they wanted if somebody so recorded that's that. That's two. Billy Friedkin. Tracy Letts adaptations. That right, that was a freaking movie. I forgot. Bug and Killer Joe. Yeah, yeah. Those were his like slight comeback, like, hey, I still got it. Yeah. I want to make some two like of the most dark, fucked up movies uh of their era. Love them both. And it was a huge McConaughey part of the McConaissance. Mm-hmm. Pre true detective McConaissance. It's kind of what kicked it off. I was gonna say, if they didn't think he could be a cop, a sort of semi crooked cop from Anything else, I would imagine that would have been the yeah. one if it hadn't come out before the, True Detective, but I didn't know this if This is the out. one in the same way that, like, Downey Jr., it's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right. Zodiac. Um, for me, Game 6 with Michael Keaton, great movie that nobody talks about. Right. But just these steady, like, perfect little supporting parts, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a little bit more, like, hyper, and all of a sudden, it builds to Iron Man. Right, but McConaughey before you get to Dallas Buyers Club and the Oscar in the same year as True Detective, and did he? He had a third one that year as well, right? There was something else. Lincoln Lawyer. No, that was that was in the midst of it. That was in the build up, the run up to it. But exactly, but Killer Joe was kind of the start point for that for McConaughey. Okay, great movie. Uh, Yeah, I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. Who is the little girl? Is she important? Now I feel like I see her in stuff. She. Oh my gosh, Juno Temple. Yes, Uh, she. She was in Dark Knight Rises. That was kind of her like big studio movie. But mostly, I think she's just mostly in indies. Okay. Um, Who was she in Dark Knight Rises? She was with Catwoman. Okay, she was got, like got the, you. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of other Juno Temple movies because I've liked her in other stuff. It's just I feel like I've heard the name recently. In a couple I feel like she's in to. the Brass Teapot with Michael Angarano. Maybe. Fun little indie movie. Um, anyways, what else? You said you, you got Spree. two more? Spree, that's with old uh, Joe... Joe Carey. Joe Carey. Carey Joe. from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Haven't seen it. It's uh, Where is it on right now? Prime? Hulu. Oh, it's free on Hulu. Yep. Correct. Came out last year. It was a mm-hmm. VOD movie. Mm-hmm. I did. It's about a rideshare guy who kills people. Is that right? Um, It's such... A, yeah, on the basis, basic level, it's that, but it's such a... There's so much more in there that, like, you just... Mm, just the way that he comes across and it's like he's the kid that like should have outgrown this and it's not him like you know being online look at me at me all this like he's uh-huh. j- he's like our age just a little bit older but still trying to cling to that and the cringiness of it all and what it says about how we 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 pod we my podcast we cast and put everything out there to the world what does that mean 
What can it do? David Arquette shows up at his dad as his dad. I thought was hilarious. I want to watch that David Arquette wrestling documentary he came out with. That looks crazy. I enjoyed it. Of okay. course, I love Joe Carey. I wish he was did more stuff. But if he's doing that, maybe a, I, a soft recommend for October twenty twenty one. I would. I would. I would probably okay. watch if it again. If it's still then. free streaming somewhere, yeah. I, I may check it out. And, and I, what's your last one? Just Mercy. Have not seen. Fucking amazing. Really good. Yeah. I don't know why those people were not HBO nominated. HBO Max has picked. it right now. Is yes. That correct? Okay. Yes. I need to finally get to this one. Yeah. It is fucking great. I mean, if you needed any more examples of why Michael B. Jordan is Michael B. Jordan, here you go. And if you want to know why they gave Jamie Foxx an Oscar, he'll show you. Just like he I mean, I heard else. a lot of people making the case that he probably should have gotten another one for he should this have. movie. He fucking should have. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember who got supporting this past year. I, that's what I'm. That was what I was thinking. I was like, this always happens, though. The closest to the Oscars always come. Yeah. Oh, fucking Brad Pitt for once upon a time in Hollywood. I, yeah, that's great. That's is that his first Oscar? Yes. That's I. You know what? They got it right this year. That's perfectly fine. But if that was he, the what, one like guarantee. Like everybody was like, it's got to happen. It's right. not going to be anybody else. And, you know, but, but for that performance, for this time, great. It wasn't an Art Carney for best actor <laughs> right. when yeah. you got Nicholson and Pacino in the mix. I get it. And I can accept that. But if he's not nominated, my vote would have been Jamie Foxx because. I think perfect. he was in some of the prelims. He yeah. just wasn't. I don't think he got the Oscar nomination. Yeah. Anyways. Fucking great, dude. You ought to watch it. I, I look forward to it. Uh, I okay. really liked, uh, was it Brie Larson? Who's, is she? Is Brie Olson the one that was involved with Charlie Sheen? Yes, the former okay. porn star. Right, and Brie Larson <laughs> is the actress. Completely different people, yes. Right, okay. I was She's thinking about Captain that on the way Marvel, over here. Short right. Term 12, which I believe same director as Just Mercy, if I'm not mistaken. I think Justin so. Justin Daniel Cretton. Maybe. Right? Could be way off. Anyways, oh, okay, yeah. And uh, I finished Dune. I watched all of Dune. David Lynch's Dune yes. or the series? Okay. David Lynch's Dune. You said you finished it, like, so you had been watching it in parts, or? Well, I started it, like, two nights ago, and I finished it yesterday. Okay. It's a long movie. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, but, lot of people, I was like, oh, shit, there's that person. <laughs> Pretty cool. It's Big Ed. Yeah, Big it's Ed. fucking Big Ed. Yeah. St- yeah. Stuttgart, Big Ed, oh, my God. That's Chucky. Yeah. That's fucking Chucky up there. <laughs> yeah. Who's Patrick Stewart? I know Sir Patrick Stewart, but not Patrick Stewart. Who's that guy? I've never gotten to do this one. That Dean Stockwell? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Dean Stockwell. I want to know who... Quantum Leap, is that right? Him and Bakula? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell was Dean Stockwell just in? Oh, I always know him from Air Force One as the, like... I oh, would yeah. sign that order. <laughs> if the Madam President can't, I'd sign it, yeah. Then Glenn Close is like, shut the fuck up, basically. Yeah. I want to know how much money was spent on eyebrow prosthetics for that movie. Quite a because bit. there was a lot of, is that what we do in the future? We just don't, we don't tame them? We just I, always, them I always took that as like, that's probably like one line in the book and it's like, and they all had bushy fucking eyebrows. It all and seemed like just, just went completely one, overboard with it. It was know. all like the Emperor's dudes that weren't Harkonnens, but also Harkonnens. Like, it was all those guys had bushy. It's like the people you don't trust, they got fucking bushy eyebrows. Yeah. I just, we talked about this. I'm still excited for for the the new Dune that mm-hmm. we got coming. But I'm just... 
Are you not a little just let down by the aesthetic choices of the new one? That it kind of looks like a lot of other sci-fi movies you've already seen. Whereas when you look at this, you're like, what the hell is going on? Right. And the idea that like uh, Hodorowski or whatever wanted to make an even more surreal version of this. And like David Lynch to him was like, this is too traditional. Is fascinating to me as well. You gotta watch that before you watch the new... Have you ever seen Hodorowski's Dune? Uh-uh. It's a documentary about... He did El Topo, The Holy Mountain. Surreal avant-garde director. Mm-hmm. Okay. And his dream project is Frank Herbert's Dune. But not like a straight adaptation. Like the wild... He wanted to like cast Salvador Dali in the movie. All sorts of crazy decisions. Who? I forget which character, honestly. The casting decisions are like insane. I think he wanted David Bowie in it. I don't. I don't know. David but Bowie, a Sting's the character. The documentary. Right? No, I don't even think it was that. <laughs> I think he wanted him as Paul Atreides, if I'm not mistaken. That would the lead, be, the that would be amazing. Okay. So the whole doc, though, is here's all my notebooks. Here's all my storyboards. Everything I like poured all of my creative energy into this movie that never actually came to fruition. Here all of it is. And it's fa- it's fantastic, dude. You got to watch it before we watch the new Dune. Okay. Yeah. For sure. I have to check it out. It's part of the whole the Duneverse. Right. I'm not going to watch the miniseries. I see I watched that on Sci-Fi back when I was in middle school and like thought it was the greatest thing ever. Does if I went back to it now, is it just I the don't book know. Dune, or is it like does it encompass all the they, sequel books? Uh, it continues on to do Children of Dune as well, branching off of that same cast. I don't know if I followed it that far. Okay, but it's a mini series. It's you know, it's only yeah. like I, I want to say six or eight episodes. It might have even been shorter. It might have been like four hours total or something like that. But yeah, I can't. I can't in good conscience be like, you got to go watch that. You got to watch the Lynch version because I think you would be burnt out by the time you get to the new one and just like I've seen all of this, like, which I feel like people are already gonna feel like that because they're gonna be like, this is kind of like Star Wars. This is kind of like, you know, pick a sci-fi movie. I don't know. It's very influential as a as a novel. If you're telling me that they're gonna ride those giant worm things in the new one. Uh, maybe not because that's way too big a scale. I at least felt like the way they shot the worms in the in Lynch's movie, it gave credence to like, oh yeah, they could totally ride these things. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know why they're above ground all of a sudden when they've been underground, but it's fine. You know, I'm not even gonna worry about it. Like, why would they not just dive back down underneath when they realize people were on them, like a colossus or something? Yeah, you know. But I, I get it. But like, hopefully they get a little more wild and little, creative with it in this one. We'll little see. Tim Chalamet, he can't. He's not gonna fit on top of that. He, It'll break him in half. <laughs> the, it'll swallow him whole. It'll take him. It'll take him four hours to climb up the side of it. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. But I mean, I'm still interested in it. Oh, I'm excited, and you know, it's going to be free on HBO Max. That's as is the little things. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this would be what we would consider the spoiler-free section right. of the episode. It's going to be very brief. We will give a synopsis. I kind of wanted to go with the IMDb synopsis, but you know what it is? What? Two cops track down a serial killer. Very brief. We'll give a little bit more. A little more depth. Ready? I got you. Two cops track down a serial killer in 1990. October 1990. (laughs) That's it. Um, One of them, get this, he's a grizzled vet who may have seen a little little too much. I mean, a veteran of the force. 
but may have seen too much, may have a little bit of a complicated past, and he's uh, he's all but retired into a uh, he's he's a deputy now. He's not a homicide detective. No. So you got that going for you, that old chestnut, mm-hmm. and uh, you got the new upstart. Uh, what what cocksure uh, college boy? Yeah, fresh out of the academy, the the it boy. I don't know, uh, detective who needs to learn a thing or two. And uh, and you got them them tracking down a serial killer in 1990s Los Angeles. You knew him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling, but you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling, just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still got to catch him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. The guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the trunk space? Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see, it ain't good. He knew all the details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why is that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. You want to go spoilers now? Um... (laughs) Do you want to give your general thoughts on what you thought of the movie? I without spoiling anything, without giving away a bunch of plot details. I appreciated (laughs) that somebody wanted to make a movie now about a time where nothing was a sure thing, because every because in 1990 we did not have the big thing that everyone seems to take for granted in every cop show and every procedural show thinks it's some magical thing they can just throw out in a piece of script. We didn't have DNA in the 90s. Didn't come around until prominence until the mid to mid to late 90s. First big case you might remember where DNA was a huge thing, probably John Benet Ramsey. There had been people had been doing stuff. If you if you watch that Night Stalker or the if you watch anything about the original Golden State Killer, the way they found D'Angelo was that somebody did two rape kits. Kept one in pristine order, 
when the science caught up to it, they used that DNA and were able to track him through familial DNA. But you didn't have that in this movie. And I can appreciate that. A thing I can appreciate that? Pay phones. I like things where it's not as simple as flipping your phone out and getting all the answers you need right there. Other thing, don't think I saw a, a car over the year 1995, if I can say that, anywhere in this movie. Everything, it felt, it felt lived in in 1990. A little bit to me. Okay. Um, what else can I say about it without spoiling anything? Hmm. <laughs> I liked the back and forthness, the banter, if you will, of Rami Malik and Denzel Washington. Okay. I could appreciate their back and forth. Their, you know, their grizzled vet versus, you know, hotshot college boy. What about you? Anything you like about it, Noah? Um, yes. Okay. There is one thing I liked about this movie, and his name is Denzel Washington. Yes. He's unimpeachable. In, pre- in everything, I was trying. I was struggling to think of like a truly bad and or mediocre performance, regardless of the quality of the film that he's in. But this is a hundred percent a case to me of just like three, three Academy Award winners mm-hmm. in a movie in this genre, released in this time span, even under all of these circumstances. This is a dumpy-wary movie. If I ever saw one, my friend, I'm I'm sorry. And why is that? I get. I guess we got to go into spoilers. Yeah. I was not. A, I was not a a fan. I don't think that this is like an actively bad movie, but I think it um, is a huge letdown to the level of talent involved with it. Uh, I think it's. I, I don't know if you know this or are aware. The script was written in 1993. Makes and sense. And it feels like it. Yeah. And it feels like nothing was updated in the intervening 30 years of detective movies and stories. So there's a lot of cliches. There's a lot of space, even in even in an ending that we'll get to, that I feel like people will feel fairly divisive about, depending on what kind of movie you go where you are. Um, even in an ending that I did appreciate, try to do something a little different. It was a little bit spoiled for me because uh, I kind of feel like we spent an entire season talking about that on an episode on a series called Tuesdays with Noah and Gavin because True Detective season three um, hits literally all of these beats, and I feel like we talked about this in relation to the pledge recently as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I it felt cliched. I I felt like it had a lot of script problems. And um, I have a huge problem with one of the lead performances, which I am struggling to wrap my head around. Is it your buddy Jerry Leto? No, it's your boy Rami Malek, who whoa, I whoa, think whoa, whoa. is Hold on. Hold terrible on. in this movie. Downright terrible. Why? <sighs> Let me ask you, have you seen another Rami Malek movie? Well, yes, I've seen other Rami Malek movies, and I will grant you, you have... F- what four or five seasons of Mr. Four. Robot that you're bringing to the table here for mm-hmm. like your appreciation of him? Mm-hmm. I think he is horribly miscast in this movie. I don't think he holds a candle in his scenes with Denzel. But I mean, to be fair, even when they get the three of them together, I I don't think there's any magic there. We'll talk about that scene in a minute. He. 
I just don't think his vibe is right for this character at all. I have a huge recast. We'll, we can talk okay. about it. Uh, I have my fix for this movie, I think. But he has an odd energy, but I don't think it's put to great use in this type of character, the way the character is written, which is essentially the analog is, of course, Brad Pitt in Seven. Like, that's who this guy is supposed to be, except he's got kids and he's a little further along. Okay. Like, in his detective life. Some of it is script. Some of the dialogue he's forced to say. And then how he chooses to deliver it, I have huge issues with. Uh, but we're, we're officially gloves off. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers now. Okay, Call so spoilers for the little things. Uh, but yeah, if you want to tune out now and check back in with us. Uh, Gavin really liked this movie. I have a lot of problems with it. and was very... Very disappointed overall. Uh, but here we go. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to like, what, are we running through from the top? Do you want to talk about a particular aspect? I mean, I just, I'm just curious as to how you, you got where you got because I just, I don't know what it, it may, it may just be my affinity for true crime and just my overall affinity for being able to have new stuff for free that just shows up at three o'clock in the morning, which is when I watched it. I don't and that know. That makes it just shy of a masterpiece. It's nine. It was, I enjoyed the shit out of it. It was something, I mean, if that's how you feel, yeah. I'm not like hating on you here. I just, okay, like, let me ask you something out front. What do you not like about the ending? <laughs> which, which ending, I guess is my question. Which part of the ending? I don't. I mean, you said an ending we can get to. What were you referring to? Okay. Well, I guess maybe we should go ahead and talk through the plot a bit okay. for people. Granted, you probably watched it at this point. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to t- go ahead and talk about the ending, they've been tracking Jared Leto for the back half of the movie. He doesn't show up for about the first forty. I think we clock him almost like an forty hour. minutes in. Yeah. But he doesn't show up and have dialogue for about the to about the hour mark. Right. So they've been tracking him. They're pretty well convinced this is our guy. Mm-hmm. But we're getting, you know, things are being played with where we're like, well, does all of this connect? Or are they just kind of like, they need it to be this guy? Because that's, this goes partly to my performance issues with Rami Malik. I did not buy the descent into obsession with this guy. I just didn't like, and I think part of that is connected to, it's a grander problem in like detective fiction, etc., there is so little focus on the victims here. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where there's like family members that come in of the missing girl and he like actively doesn't talk to them. There's the girl who comes in who like was the witness from the opening, correct? Mm-hmm. Which we can jump back to there for a second. I don't, I didn't, I didn't find any true tension or scares in this movie. Mm-hmm. Not that that's necessarily what I judge something like this by, but I knew from the opening that this was maybe going to be a little bit different of a vibe than I was necessarily expecting because we don't get an opening murder right? that is then being tracked. We get an opening near miss. Mm-hmm. No murder on screen, like, no violence on screen except for one act of violence on screen. Yeah. That's it. Part of why I liked it. Yeah. You know, Fincher did it in 2007. That's no big deal. Yeah. That's no big deal. <laughs> Zodiac. Eh, didn't didn't he throw the baby out of the like throw the thing out of the taxi? Doesn't happen on screen. Oh, okay. Talking about the Ioni Sky thing? 
I don't need sky. Yeah, that I just wanted you, you don't even see it on screen. I know. But I yeah, you have the it. you have the three acts of I mean you have the three murders basically. Right. Four. Four. Three? Four. You have the three on screen ones. Right. And that's it. Right. And the rest of the movie is is the detectives. Yeah, talk about a movie that about obsession and like the links you'll go to, etc. Again, well worn territory. Mm-hmm. But the opening of this movie where it doesn't lean into that, I'm like, okay. Interesting. But it's a setup. We're all we're opening in LA. Mm-hmm. Which I felt like was not this definitely does not go in the pantheon of like great LA crime movies. I don't get that like LA feel to it at any point. Mm-mm. I feel like it could have been set anywhere else. And I, I assume I'm like, was it even shot in LA? I don't know. Probably shot in Georgia. And I'm like, why not just set it anywhere else? There's nothing other than the geography of like Denzel is a re- I keep saying retired, but he moved up north in California. Right. He doesn't work in LA anymore. Mm-hmm. He was a detective. He got burnt out. We're getting his background story built up through flashbacks, which I think are fairly clunkily delivered. We know it's building towards something, and it's pretty obvious that, like, yeah, you, if you're a hero cop who had, like, a great clearance record, etc., you probably killed somebody you weren't supposed to. That's the only way that you end up a deputy in a completely different department. Or you have a heart attack, and you just got to, you, you, I can't do it anymore. I got to go. Yes. So when all three of those things happen, we know where you are. Now. <laughs> exactly. But the build up to the reveal of that, I also was just like, I feel like we could have like gotten that information from the get go. And then focused in on, you said you liked the banter between these guys. I feel like they're just not on equal playing field at all. And I feel like Rami Malek's not even playing the energy of like the way Brad Pitt is with Morgan Freeman. I'm sorry to keep like leaning on seven, but it's the perfect like comparison point. It is a nineties serial killer cop thriller where you don't see violence on screen and it's more of a meditation on you know obsession the nature of evil etc the links people will go to human mm-hmm. nature all of that sort of stuff right i've seen it all before exactly i mean you said this thing was shelved and like written in 93 who would want to make this movie after seven came out right then and there that's why it's taken forever i mean i i agree with you Right. But did we need to... That's the other thing. John Lee Hancock. Maybe we talk about him for a minute. Okay. Writer and director. I don't feel any kind of stamp on this movie. And I know some guys are... Journeyman. Your journeyman type directors. But for somebody who held on to this script for almost 30 years, like it was a passion project that he had to make, that he's had three decades to think about and meditate on and like this is his baby Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like a confidence in what he was presenting at all case in point the editing style of this movie which is very quick cutty when it doesn't need to be we got a lot of like interior dialogue scenes in police stations where we cut around so much where I'm like dude Denzel Washington just walked into a room and delivered a line of dialogue and then exited why did you need six different setups to show me that? And granted, that's being nitpicky and that's being in a mood to be like, okay, this thing is like, I'm brushing up against it. And then you start focusing on it. Mm-hmm. But I but felt not like... not all babies are cute, Noah. Some babies are ugly. <laughs> I know. I guess I just wanted a little more. I was like, you have these great actors. Let's let's let some scenes breathe and play out. I felt like we were like constantly chopping up to try and maintain some sort of pace 
But at the same time, I felt like this movie really doesn't even get going until an hour into it. Mm -hmm. Like there's no real engine to it until about an hour in, which can work in some cases if I'm really buying into the setup. And again, Denzel is just over here killing it because that's what he does. Mm -hmm. And he's magnetic and I could watch him do anything. But then for the first half, the only other way to point the camera is towards Rami Malek, who I just just did not read for me as this character at all. I did I just didn't I didn't see why he was cast other than they wanted to be able to put Academy Award winners yeah. Denzel, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto on the poster. I felt like it could have been anybody. And I felt like it needed somebody with a little bit of a different energy to play the character the way he was written. I think there's a scene in this movie that is not improv. What? You tell me how you felt about it. There's a scene where they're staking out uh, Albert Sparma. Sparma, yeah. (laughs) He's got a middle name too. Straight up serial killer name. It's gotta be him, right? It's gotta be him. There's so many traits. That's the thing. The movie shows you so many different times where you know it's it's him, but because we're so conditioned to be like, where's the evidence? Where's the DNA? Where's the thing we can prove? You don't have it, and you add just a little so bit. So you, you think he did this shit? Yeah, totally. <laughs> he chases Denzel in the car the same way he chases the girl that he was running after that got loose. Okay? He has this Denzel... If we believe Denzel is an ultimate super cop, Denzel called the same thing that the FBI called about him when they came up with their criminal profile. Okay? The only thing that you're missing, again, is a hard piece of evidence. If they had DNA at that time, it would have been all over that woman. She wasn't washed. She wasn't clean. He he shaved her. But, like, there's still evidence of his DNA. But he's one of these killers, like a Joe D'Angelo, like a Richard Ramirez, who knew... If you're just not there when they find the body, they don't know who you are. That's how easy it was to kill people back in the day. If you just weren't there, as long as you, you know, okay, my, your fingerprints were there. That don't tell you shit. My fingerprints were there. Doesn't tell you how long they've been there. Okay. I could have rented that apartment before she did. Who knows? So he just, he, he had a police scanner and he just happened to be doing whatever he wanted to do. Because, I mean, if you're not, why are you keeping clippings of newspaper under a floorboard in a weird box. That's not what normal that's people where you, do. That's where you're getting all your info from. Right. Yeah, because you're obsessed with this stuff, not right. because you're doing it. Or maybe you're obsessed with reading your name in the paper, reading about your handiwork and how they don't know it's you. It's one of those that when DNA comes along, they'll start looking for him again. And then the sequel... The other little the things. Sequel. I saw somebody mention this the on other, like a Facebook thread, and I was like, the, "This movie's not getting a sequel." The, Hate to break it to the you. Other not little things is going to be like how the do littlest you, things, the smallest things. <laughs> yeah, the smallest details. I'm, I'm sorry, but every time I think of the title of this movie, I think of the episode of Freaks and Geeks, which I think is called "The Little Thing" or "The Little Things," where Seth Rogen finds out that his girlfriend is a hermaphrodite. And he thinks that he might be gay because of it and starts questioning his sexuality. Uh, Anyways, that's the little things that I know and love. Right. Just for the record. What are you looking up? No, I was just, yeah. Are you busy with something else? No, I was just, I was looking at something about little, yeah. No, I just, I, for my money, 
If I'm just going off based off hunches. To be clear, you spent zero money on this. It's right. free on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. You could have gone to the theater. But. Well, that's the thing you're forgetting, though. This is January, for God's sakes. It's goddamn Dumbuary. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, is it Den of Thieves level? No. Den of Thieves is a straight not 10 out of 10. Okay. <laughs> Certainly like Den of Thieves quite a bit better than Okay. This. Well, then I'm good. I'm, I'm glad. As long as we're on the same page about Den of Thieves, by all means. I thought he, I I thought Leto's his gait and the way that he walked and carried himself. I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know what vibe he was going for. He was going for the vibe of I'm Jared Leto, and every performance now has to be a performance wrapped in a performance wrapped in a performance. Uh, so I need a but big think- old fake gut. I need to just be dirty and grimy. I must have my hair long. My beard must be well. No, long. he just got off that island. That's why. What island? What you didn't hear about the whole about? thing about like him and Thirty Seconds of Mars? Oh, like yeah, a they completely off, didn't like, know they, about they, the they, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, because they, they were building like this weird cult thing on an I island did, out in it, the Pacific somewhere. Here, here's what I will say: I enjoyed Jared Leto just like basically doing a caricature right. of a serial killer, which I think lent to the whole idea that like this guy just loves murder and serial killers, but he's not a killer himself. Like he also loves titties. One of the strip club all the, or gentlemen's club all the time. Yeah, and I came up with the assumption that they must have just had him for the day because he's only in one outfit. And just like, can we get him? Yeah, we have one day. All right, let's do it. And they just did it all one one day. Oh, and they shot the whole ending sequence at, at, that night as well. Yeah, that'd be a quite a feat of filmmaking for sure. They played day for night. I mean, they had it on the soundstage. I'm thinking Lights. since John Lee Hancock apparently likes to have 15 setups of even the most basic scene, probably not moving that fast. Probably okay. not a smooth production process. Maybe it was second unit. Maybe he's not playing. Maybe he's playing to a stand-in of Rami Malek and not actually Rami Malek. Maybe. Maybe they had him doing stuff all day while Denzel was doing stuff by himself. We got distracted. <laughs> There's a scene where they're staking out Sparma's oh, yeah. house about midway through the movie, a little more than midway through the movie, and in frustration... Rami punches the side of the car. They're sitting in the car together. And he's like, oh, fuck. And I feel like it's him breaking character. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not, maybe not, whatever. Maybe it's scripted that way. He punches the door and he says, fuck. And Denzel has this vibe. <laughs> he's just like, you okay? You okay? And I was like, is this literally like they were just rolling cameras on this shit? And he like. He punched too hard and he like kind of, and Denzel's almost like, did you hurt yourself over there? Did you hurt yourself acting too hard over there? <laughs> because I was also like, dude, this is the moment. This is the frustration of Rami Malik where he's just like, I can't hold a candle to this guy. I don't know how to act with him. Oh, fuck. That's just what I was just like. And then you have Denzel sitting over there, cool as a cucumber, just like, yeah, don't, don't try so hard. Less is more, baby. Like just, you know, mm-hmm. just do your thing. But Watch see, that scene again. I ran it back three times because I was like, I think this is essentially a, a found accident. Okay. They feel like they, I'm like, there's no way it's scripted like this. But just watch that scene again. He punches, I think he punches way too hard and actually hurts his hand. Denzel is in character checking to make sure he's okay. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. <sighs> and I'm just like, dude, you really hurt yourself. Yeah, we you really, you really hurt yourself. <laughs> But see, I don't know. I feel like that. I feel like what you're talking about about him, he can't act out act him. Like he can't 
hold a candle. I, and I feel like you just see him trying the whole time. It's I, a very yeah, but I also mannered feel like, performance. Right, but that I feel like that's embedded to what this is supposed to be. He can't. He he he's constantly making jokes about like when's your boy uh what's uh, Kojak Colombo he throws it cra- all at him yeah he, yeah he is the hotshot blue flame special whatever you want to call him that like has to do this and has to look good has to keep the FBI from coming in and taking over the case because he has to be that way and this is Denzel being like hey kid this is how you do it it's the little things Jimmy it's the little it's things the little that things get like you- like roast beef right yeah get you caught. like roast beef yeah. Huge plot point. Little things just give you away. I the the one laugh out loud moment of the movie I had was after that scene, which is a trailer moment, and they do it twice. They do the title of this movie twice. They do it once in, well midway through and once at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the first time he says, "What did she? What's the last thing she had to eat?" And he says, "Roast beef." Why? And he's like, "It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that get you caught." Next scene, they're following Jared Leto walks into a restaurant, giant sign out front, "Roast beef." Where is that restaurant that's just like, yo, we got roast beef right here. It was. I'm sorry. That's the kind of dumb filmmaking which comes into play with this ending, which I fucking hated. Okay? Let's get to it. Okay. Which ending? The first? Kind of, kind of all of it, but let's get to it. Because there are some things I liked about it. But first, maybe we got to talk about the one scene where they actually get the three of them together. Yeah. The interrogation scene. The other time that I laughed out loud and ran this movie back twice to make sure that I heard what I heard. Because what I heard, <laughs> Gavin, was Denzel Washington scream at full volume, His dick is as hard as Chinese arithmetic! I wonder why that is! I wonder why that is! Great Denzel, I know, right? I'm in standard now is that Now, is that a... You think that's a Denzel improv? You think that that line, I know this guy's the killer because his dick is as hard as Chinese arithmetic, is in this script by John Lee Hancock. Not John. Am I onto something? Not John. It's the little things, indeed, right? (laughs) Johnny Little Hancock. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Little Hancock. But seriously, that scene, dude, I'm like. This is three Academy Award winners together. This is supposed to be like the scene, right? And that's the big crescendo. He feels Jared Leto's boner. And that he's like, police instinct. <laughs> this fucker did it. Just like, <laughs> dude, you can't, as we learned from the pledge, you can't implicate a man based on his erection. You cannot. And no. you can't just like smooth talk a fucking confession out of him. That's why I maintain Jared Leto did not do this. He's just a creepy weirdo, which (laughs) lends itself to me of his entire performance, which is just like, I'm just going to be the creepiest, weirdest dude. I'm sorry. When he offers Rami Malek, like, I'll take you to where the girl is. P.S. Your butt buddy can't come with you. (laughs) It's like, who? In the Again, 90s, is that, that a Jared Leto improv or is that in this script? I need to know. That's in the script, need, dude. That's straight 1993. Oh, God. Yeah. So many quotable lines. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I'm going to be quoting this one to the end of time. I think if Dad's uh, the kid that Dad was training that got here out of the Air Force Academy, Jimmy, I think if Dad had seen this around the time he had trained him, he would just, it's the little things, Jimmy. Little things. <laughs> I could just see that, like Dad trying to be like, 
hey, you know what? Five o'clock on Friday, go to the club and get a beer before you go home. It's the little things, Jimmy. <laughs> Just, I don't know why. But, I mean, and that, well, is that's my question. Do you think that Here's- Mr. Foot's Penis, that he wrote this <laughs> and never changed it because he was like, well, we know the big shocker in seven is like, we know Spacey did it. What's in the box? My movie can be, oh, we'll never really know, will we? I'll play with the no, audience. My movie will be, I'm not going to take, we're not going to drive them both out to the desert. He's just going to take one cop and the other one's going to follow. And then we're going to have some kind of showdown in the desert, but it's not going to pay off the way you think it's going to pay off. And it's not really a twist, but kind of a twist. Also, okay. Here's the thing. Rami Malek in this movie, he's just a bad cop, dude. He's lazy. He basically lets Denzel do all his work for him. Right. And, you know, just horns in on it. They connect Leto based on the fact that he works at a place that did refrigerator repair at one of the murder scenes. Correct? That was also in the vicinity of all the others. He's also got a, you know, a car with nice trunk space. and He fits the profile, right? Right. Seems he fits to... Denzel's profile. Yes. Denzel was alone. He did all that. Yes. Okay. The thing that does it for me, Noah, is the fingerprints, partial. The bite mark, only 8% Inconclusive. of a partial. Inconclusive. Eight, As eight. Deirdre Lovejoy, who is criminally underused in this movie, uh, tells us. No. What? The, the female? Yeah. No, it's the dude that tells him that. Because he says your bite mark is inconclusive. The county requires 12 markers as a, as a close to a match. There's only eight. I, I thought you were talking about when Denzel brings in the pizza to test the, the other bite marks. I thought that's what you were talking about. Right. That when Rami Malek gets the info back from him, he's telling him that there's no... The guy is telling him that. And he's like, what do you do? That's when he finally Here's gets Lovejoy also tells him that it's inconclusive. Right, But yeah. there's some things that could match up. But because the, the whole time we're supposed to walk the line of like, is it him? Is it not him? Is it him? Right, but I mean, you have the pizza, you save the pizza, you swap it for DNA, and boom, you find out it's him. You just want it to be him. I mean, who else could it be? (laughs) I don't know, because in horrible police fashion, Mm -hmm. they focus all of their energy into pursuing this one suspect, because they have already convinced themselves that he's the guy. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, they leave no thoughts to the contrary that there could be anybody else involved that there's anybody else they should even be looking for okay and where do we end up at the end of this movie in the desert yeah with more but overall where do we end up no closer to finding the actual killer right and still pursuing there's been there's been another victim correct no the only victim is the one they haven't been able. The one, the the victim is the last one that we see that was running that disappeared. We don't know where her body is. We haven't found her yet. We're looking for her, and that's that. We're not told if the murders continue. We're not told if there's another suspect that comes in that they find. We're left with, hey, this thing happened. Rami Malik did this, and kind of like how Denzel did something that he might not be able to live with. But instead of letting Rami Malik live out the rest of his days going down the road he did. He did him a solid and lied to him. And I love that element of the ending until John Lee Hancock decides to treat me like I'm a fucking idiot 
and cap it off with a further denouement of Denzel burning the beret package. I'm not an idiot. Also, leave me a little mystery. Was this, hey, he actually found it in the floorboard. We never saw what he found when he reached in for all those notes when he went back to clear everything out. Mm. Could have been there. But if we're watching it with any kind of clarity, we're like, that's a really pristine beret for something that was supposedly worn by this woman every day she went jogging. Right. Okay. Which we didn't see on her when she left. Exactly. Right. But again, I'm sorry, again, for a movie called The Little Things. A, I want it to be shot with a little more eye towards, like, the finer details and stuff. And there's no real, like, of that vibe of, like, you should be looking at the corners of the frame here. It's this tiny little detail you miss. There's nothing to that at all. Mm -hmm. And there's also no grand payoff to, like, other than, like, hey, you thought it was these little things. It's actually, this is what I meant by the little things for real, you know. But the reveal of the berets is just the kind of shit where I'm like, you don't trust the audience to either make that connection themselves or you feel like you need to spell out what you were ultimately saying, which is like, he did him a solid. This is bullshit. There was no closure, but he provides it for him anyway to spare him. Mm -hmm. I like that element until you treat me like I'm an idiot for not understanding what you just showed me. Very frustrating. And it's the final scene of the movie. Left a sour taste in my mouth. Because I felt like I was like, dude, you're not as clever or as smart as you apparently think you are. And you clearly think that all of us are dumber than you. I also felt like like for something that, again, this is where I talk about like wanting to update it in the intervening, you know, almost 30 years. Like I said, let's make it about the little things. Let's delve into the actual cases. Let's do a little groundwork with interviewing loved ones. Like, let's get some great interview scenes with, like, a supporting cast of, like, great that guys, you know? Let's get some of that going, some actual detective work. But it feels like we take so long to set up who Denzel is, and eventually we spend so much time building up to revealing his backstory that I feel like... He could have walked into this place and it's like, yeah, he was a burnout. We had to let him go. He he worked himself to death, essentially. And we can still have him eventually reveal to Rami, could be way earlier, hey, I accidentally killed a woman and we covered it up and we framed it as a murder, by the way. We said she was a stab victim. I shot her in the chest accidentally. Um... The that guys that we do get, I mentioned Deirdre Lovejoy, we get uh, Terry Kenny from Oz, mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, come on, dude's been in a billion things. Chris Bauer, yeah. Machine from 8mm. Yeah. Uh, and The Wire, and I think he was probably on Oz at some point as well. Yeah, True Jesse blood. from Free Willy in there. The Wire, yeah. <laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not excited about Jason James Richter being in this movie? Where was Jason James Richter? He was Dennis Williams. Detective Williams, Dennis Williams, he's in the background. A lot of the big, the big scenes where they have all the detectives together. You know what? Good for him. He's in there. Good he has he's speaking lines. Yeah, he's in there when they go in the house. They got to cross, you know, through the people's apartment, go through the fire escape. He's in the background of all the meetings, stuff like there. He's not big, but he's still there. So I was like, oh, hey, there's that guy. Good for him. 
It's always nice when you see like a former child star like in something just randomly. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, huge sorry, huge mistake on my part. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been saying her name wrong the entire time. It's not your true love, Joy. What is at it? All. Um, it is Michelle Hyatt or Michael? Mm-hmm. Mikhail Hyatt. I don't know how she says her name, but that's Flo, the the coroner. No, oh, okay. that frames everything. She was on the wire as uh, Avon's sister. Yeah, sorry, Deirdre Lovejoy was also on on the wire, but completely different actress, different character, and is also white, not not black. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure we get, you know, before all the Twitter hounds come after me. No, no. You got it wrong, bud. Okay. Do we have anything more to say about this movie? Oh, excuse me. Okay, so Rami Malek takes him up on riding out into the desert. Of course, obviously, a stupid move, you know, shouldn't do it in the first place. There's tons of moments right here where he literally has his back turned to Jared Leto while he's digging up where supposedly the body would be. And he keeps moving around to different spots. I do love... Because we're set in the 90s and there are no cell phones, etc., etc. That Denzel does realistically spend a shit ton of time just driving around out in this farmland area. Mm -hmm. Before he eventually finds the gate that Rami has left unlatched for him. Mm -hmm. I liked all of these touches, like it taking a bit from the build up. And I love that when he shows up, and spoiler alert if you made it this far, uh, Rami has killed Jared Leto with a shovel. Because Mm -hmm. he just got... He didn't want to take any more lip from him, basically. And he he needs it to be him. He's so convinced that it's him. And then he also has to weigh the fact that it might not be him. And it's kind of driving him nuts. He's kind of incapacitated. And I love that Denzel rolls in and is just like, all right, man. All right. I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to take care of everything. Take him and he hole. goes we'll and make sure it's four feet deep. Yeah. Goes and gets all of Jared Leto's stuff, packs it up into garbage bags, and they essentially erase him from the planet. Um, again, very similar to a spoiler alert, a huge part of the true detective season three arc is the relationship of Marshall Ali and Steven Dorf and what, how their relationship is fractured when they have to do this very same thing, which is cover up a murder of a guy who is definitely guilty in some aspect, but they can't make, it can't be public. They had to do it off the books. And it kind of tears them apart. But it also was an accident. Yeah. They're fighting back and forth with him and he gun goes off kind of thing. But this in that like, situation, like, that, they, they were going to yeah, have to kill should, that guy. They should they have dragged him out there anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. But like, once, yeah. yes, once they took him out of that car, they were going to have to kill that guy. There was no going back after that. Right. Yeah. Anyway, again, I just, I think also I'm weighing it against that because this is right around the time when that's what I want right now from HBO is I want a a nice little six up six to eight episode mystery crime detective thriller that's super dark and interesting and questions humanity. I basically want true detective season four and we don't have it. So we have this and this is check out Night Stalker on Netflix. Just not in the mood for the true crime, dude. I'm down for the fictional right now and this one just did not do it for me. Uh, well, it wasn't supposed to, Noah. It's January. I suppose. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I did. Uh, I just, I don't see myself checking this one out again. It's not even like, a, a, you know, 
maybe I'll give it another glance. Maybe I'll get more out of it. I feel like I watching I got it, everything there was to get from it. Watching it a second time, because I did watch it again with Becky just to get another set of eyes on it. She called everything. Maybe, And I think that's why she liked it the way she did. And when I spoke to her for what you're going to play at some point, she did... We'll get to it here in just a bit. She actually. did maybe think... She did kind of ratchet hers down a little bit thinking about it. Like initial reaction, she was at where she was at with like a nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's more like a, an eight now. And I think that just has to do with the fact that like literally it was he like before, before you could get to the bag, she was like, wait, did he buy that? And I was like, oh God, did you read this? And she was like, no, I, have, I don't even know. I've nothing read nothing about it. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, and then when the note comes in at the end, she's like, oh, he's going to give him a bread, isn't he? I was like, are you, fu- do you fucking, did you read this shit? Like, I'm getting more pissed off. Like, yeah. you had to have read something about this. You read Wikipedia while I was, you know, while I wasn't here. Like, I what mean, the- dude, if you weren't picking up on the fact that he was, that a red beret is what was in that package before he opened it, well, I mean, like, I, you're not watching the movie. Exactly. Like, what that's are you thing, talking though. about? But, but like, I knew that then just because of movie stuff, she's not like. When but it, she knows how to follow a story, and that red right. beret was telegraphed. The rule of threes, I think they mentioned it three times before it shows up in that final moment. Right, but then that, and then on top of, oh my God, did he buy it? I was just like, did you, you had to, you read something about this. But again, there were other things throughout that she kept picking. It's like, oh, it's going to be this and that. And I'm like, the fuck, man? But I don't know if that's because like she has a criminal justice major or what, but regardless, watching it a second time, Knowing where it ends up, there's just to me there's just certain little things that you can't that you can't unexplain as to why it wouldn't be Leto. If you led to believe that the person you could that, also look at all of it as circumstantial, like right, because but again the only th- and the only thing that we are conditioned to think is like the thing that will do it all is DNA, or this one little piece of evidence, this one little beret that's gonna that that's not gonna hold up in court either. Nothing will. Right. And because we are left, I mean, I don't, I get it. Some movies you have to, you don't give us enough and you don't give us enough of an ending to know where we're standing and it's left way open. I would have been, honestly, I'd have been more satisfied if they were like this and this and this. And at the very end of the movie, it's like, we got another one. Like we found another, you know, we found another victim. Mm -hmm. Oh, you found her body? No, it's not her. Another girl. They just randomly throw another name out there. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's a more profound impact. That's a more profound, oh, fuck, man. If Rami Malek thought he was going to be okay, he's definitely not going to be okay now because it's the little things, and this is going to rip him apart. They they murdered an innocent person. There's no way. That's it. But you don't give me that. You don't give me, hey, nothing else ever happened. It was probably this guy. Maybe DNA would have figured it out later. Who knows? He's dead and buried in the desert. Who gives a shit? You don't give me that either. Well, and that's where I can see some people being frustrated with the the lack of resolution, but also it's like so much of the framing of them solving this and Denzel literally says it at one point, but he's like, I'm doing this for me. Like it has nothing to do with the victims or any kind of deeper exploration of any of that or the motivation behind like, well, why is he doing these crimes? They just set their sights on Leto and that's it. And they get complete tunnel vision and everything is like framed around that. And at the end of the day, it's like they're, 
they're kind of like I don't think they're good cops. Mm-hmm. Like on a technical level no, or a moral to level, shoot people that aren't the bad guys, Noah. Yeah, I mean they don't shoot him; they shovel him to death. Uh, no, he shot the girl. Like Denzel shot. Oh that girl. yeah, yeah. You're probably not supposed to do that either. Yeah. yeah. Here's my big recast. I think it takes that you keep the same script, even though I just do a polish on this, John Lee. Like, what are we talking about? What What are we doing here? It needed a polish before it went on the big screen. My big recast. Mm-hmm. As old Sparma. We've said it for for so many movies for so many years. Give me Michael Shannon, baby. Oh, dude, it, he can recast anything. Take Take Leto out of this movie. Okay, give me Michael Shannon. Let him yeah. bring some layers to to this creepiness. Okay. Yeah. Who you got for Rami Malek? Who you gonna recast for that? Somebody who can go toe to toe with Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke, who I think there would be chemistry with. Age doesn't work there. Hawke's a little too old. Rami Malek's in his forties, right? So I try to go with somebody in the same age range. Okay. You know, not necessarily an up and comer, an established star. Of some known quantity. Um, maybe somebody who, you know, possibly already should have won two Academy Awards. Somebody who can play the energy, because I do understand the instinct of, like, Rami Malek has a little air of mystery around him where you're like, maybe this guy's the fucking killer. And I understand you want a little bit of that energy, even though this movie doesn't play with it at all. Hmm. Okay? So I understand that instinct. So let's take somebody who can do that. But let's take somebody who we can also buy as a young, you know, upstart detective of you know, like I said, that cocksure energy of Brad Pitt and Seven. Give me Ben Foster. Done. Done and done. Okay. And is that not... Then, then we're talking like an 8, 8.5, baby. I'm just saying. Then we're cooking with a little bit of gasoline. Because imagine the interplay between Denzel and Ben Foster. The instinct, I was going to say, was Chris Pine. Because they were fucking great and unstoppable together. Like electric chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want to see him paired, like when he's paired with a, a younger counterpart, it there can be some magic to it. And I just felt like, I felt like Rami Malek like, was so in his head about, I am working with a legend and so concerned. I feel like some people get consumed by it and they get they eaten do. alive by him on screen. And unfortunately, I don't think that that's a positive in this movie. Like sometimes it can work for the dynamics of the characters, but you, you wanted to feel a certain amount of friendship between these two. And I never felt like I really got that. The screenplay wants me to feel that it wants me to really like feel this at this the hit end. at the end. And I felt like I never got that. There's the scene where he meets the family mm-hmm. and that's great because of Denzel and the way he interacts with the wife and the little girls it's mm-hmm. all on him. None, none of the establishing of these guys like being devoted to this case and to each other. We don't get that energy that we talked about that we loved in True Detective Season 3 of Ali and Dorf. We're just like, we like these guys together. Mm-hmm. We're, we know that eventually if, when there's going to be this rift between them, we don't want to see that. We know they're estranged, but like they're great together in these early scenes. And that was some of the best energy. And it's the it's the McConaughey and, and Woody dynamic, too. Two very different guys that, like, butt heads in an interesting way. But there was no... There was no chemistry there between them. It just literally felt like, you know, they're reciting what's on the page, but there's not much more to it. And again, 
Denzel reciting the phone book is compelling because he is compelling and he's great in this movie. But the screenplay and the actors around him do him no favors. This is one of those that goes in the the lose column for me overall. Is like I understand the instinct for like he likes playing a cop, dude, and he likes playing an older grizzled cop. I love that we see him a little more. He's got a little bit of a paunch to him, especially when we see him in that first like opening sequence. It's like he looks like an older guy. He's not playing into like you know the he tries to he almost tries to do a little bit of the Denzel charm early on with the. Uh, the lady he's trying to gather the boots from, mm-hmm. and she kind of was like, um, "No, you're gonna have to go get a signature from Homicide." Like, no, it's the, you know, it's not playing. So I love that they play with that a little bit, but yeah, I just I feel like Rami is really my main problem with this movie. But it also goes to the direction, the screenplay, the cinematography. No real like identity to it, and that's why it felt like just kind of this anonymous leftover from the 90s and it's like normally yeah i'd be excited for something recapturing that vibe but i also just felt like in the intervening years since this movie was conceived i've seen so many things that have approached this territory and done it far better and more more completely than this does i think it scratches the surface of some interesting themes but it never really settles on does it want to be a creepy serial killer movie does it want to be about obsession and the links cops will go to? Does it want to be about how law enforcement is like flawed in this pre-technology era? Is that really what it's about? You know, and I feel like it never really settles on any of those. And that's why for me, and I was glad I had a little backup, shout out to Tim Niles and his fiance, Elise Schramm. Uh, they, they gave it a six. I was a little more generous. I gave it a 6.5. And they pretty much, I talked to them a little earlier today, they pretty much echoed all of my sentiments that it just, they couldn't quite put their finger on what wasn't working for them other than it just felt like they'd kind of seen it all before. And I I understand that instinct. And there's a way to do a, a cliched thriller that still delivers. And again, I really liked this ending in the overall, I, th- I really thought it was going to come together for me there. In the last 15 minutes, I was like, okay, you're going to hit Something that I didn't necessarily see as like, this is what we're going for. And it was like, you could leave. I, there was a part of me where it was like, dude, if Rami Malik is just like out in this desert, just kind of like looking at the skies for a while. Like and the it pledge. Ends, like the pledge. Yeah. This movie's probably an eight for me. <laughs> but it, it just, I don't need Denzel burning the berets at the end. I don't need it. it really harsh my buzz, dude. So. I just looked at it as he knowing what that does to someone. Because the thing is, the thing we didn't talk about, the thing that I enjoyed was that the first dead body that he's looking at, he's talking to. Nothing. Mm-hmm. The next dead body that we see him with when he's younger in the past, she turns and looks at him. And he says, don't be an angel. Don't get involved. Like, don't, you're not here for like, don't go get attached to all this other stuff. It's about getting it, you know, whatever. And it just, to me, I guess, because, and maybe I'm biased because I have several other things besides this to like, look at Rami Malek in and think, okay, because I feel like a lot of people looking at like, oh, the guy that was Freddie Mercury. Now he's this because they can't tell me anything other than like, 
I mean, the, this is his first big high pro because No Time to Die did not come out. Right. I, and again, I'm excited for him to be the villain in yeah. that movie. I'm very excited I think it'll to be see great. where it goes. And I do think, I mean, I talked about a recast, but when we were debating this, the whole origin of My Money's on Leto, we didn't know. We just had the description. We had the three leads. Mm-hmm. I think this is also a more interesting movie. If you flip the roles and Rami is the suspect and Jared Leto is the queen cut. Yeah. Upstart, you know. That would be great. But it's contractual. Him he playing, can't do that. Him playing against type. But I'm like, yeah, dude, he refuses to take on anything where he can't be like, this is my own bizarro form of method acting. I got to go full into whatever this is. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something that ultimately is going to be like 15 minutes of screen time, like the Joker or like this movie. Maybe this is closer to like think, 20 I minutes, still think maybe. the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad... Get, it bears little... out that he's actually a genius and he should have won the third Oscar for uh for no, portraying the it, Joker. No, I'm just making it, it's <laughs> did Nicholson win for the first one? No, but Heath Ledger and uh well I guess it would have chronologically it would have been the second, excuse me. Because Joaquin hadn't won yet. That's why That's I was saying right. three. Oh, I forget excuse about me. Joaquin Phoenix. No, Nicholson was nominated. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I don't think he it would have made him win it. But Jared it Leto was the only person to play the Joker on the big screen an other than Cesar Romero and not get an Oscar nomination. So you're saying Nicholson was nominated for the Joker that year? He was, yeah. Okay, I never, I never knew that. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't think it would have got him nominated. I think it would have just lent you to understand like what that character was and why it looks so fucked up and not the Joker we thought of because none of us have ever seen a Joker that's had its his face caved in by a Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So knowing that, you might have been like, oh, I get the weird choices, dude. That's why you have that weird fucking tattoo. That's why you're scared of the name Batman. That's why you have that grill on your mouth. He beat the shit out of you for no reason because you didn't, you didn't beat up Robin. Your girl did. I got it. My bad. You would have made sense, but you don't know that because Warner takes it away from you and you're like, What's Jared Leto doing in this movie? Yeah. What's he doing in that Rick Ross video? What the fuck? Purple Lamborghini? What? But again, I that would have been a great choice. Just just flip the two of them. But again, somehow we gave him an Oscar for Di- Dallas Buyers, right? That yeah. One yeah. We gave him an Oscar for that. And guess what we did? No, we gave him. We created a monster. Carte Blanche with pretentiousness. Oh, 100%. You know, that is his entire like career move sense. I was just talking about, because, I was talking about this earlier with Tev and Elise as because well. Because if he doesn't like it, he'll go back to being a musician and he'll be like, oh, fuck off, Hollywood. I'm just here to be a musician. Yeah. You know, I was talking about this with Tev and Elise earlier though, but like Blade Runner 2049, a movie I love, you and I saw in the theater together and I love, he's in a completely different movie than everybody else in that movie. And I don't know why he has to like be so fucking extra in everything. But here it kind of works, and on a like trashy entertainment level, mm-hmm. I enjoyed him in this. Again, recast Rami, then we can talk. Or just, or just flip him, like you said. That's perfectly fine with me. Sure, and I will, I will take other recommendations. And I, I also want to be clear, I like Rami Malek in The Pacific, first thing I ever saw him in, and I quite enjoy him in The Master as well. Hmm. Never seen another one of those. But uh, I do hate Bohemian Rhapsody with a passion. I think it's a bad movie. I think it's very bad. Very bad. I think he's bad in it, and I don't understand why he won the Oscar. And um, Who was he going up against? Oh, God. That's a good question. 
I mean, I'm wondering. That's I mean, because I mean, I'm pretty sure we what could year pick is someone that? else. I have no idea. Two years ago, 2019. Oh my god! So it'll be movies for 2018. Um, 2019 Oscars. Yeah, I mean, here we go. Hold on. Hit me with it. I want to know who he was up against. All right, and best actor. This was a weird year. Oh, yeah, yeah. weird year. Rami Malek, who won, of course. Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate, which was basically the makeup for not giving him it for Florida Project the previous year because he didn't win, and it was like, oh, Van Gogh, let's, let's nominate him again. Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. And Christian Bale for Vice. Yeah, you can't. Christian give it... Bale still never won Best Actor, if I'm not mistaken. He's right. won supporting, but he's never won Best. You can't give it to Vigo because you already gave it to Mahershala for Green Book. Right. You could have done the pair of them since it was gonna win Best Picture. Why? Yeah. Um. I mean, I would argue in that category, it's, just, it's such an Oscar Oscar pick. I guess I would have gone with Bradley Cooper by default. Right. In A Star Is Born. But then you give this a Star is Born validation, and it's like... <laughs> How dare we? Yeah. Haven't we done this 17 times already, Hollywood? True. I like the James Brolin one. <laughs> True, but it's more like of the a... I 50s one. It's more of a... Uh, it's a Lady Gaga vehicle, though. Like, I like her in that movie more than I like Bradley Cooper. I agree with you, yeah. which is why I said Christian Bale and Vice, a movie that I'm I, not even that crazy about, but I think he's brilliant. I think in. he's fucking perfect in that movie. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. That was the no-brainer where I'm like, if we got to give it to one of the two real, excuse me, three, four, they're all real-life figures except for Star is Born, excuse me. Green Book's a real guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, But yeah, if we're going to have to pick like a based on a true story performance... I, yeah, give it to the guy who became Dick Cheney, not the guy who lip-synced as Freddie Mercury. But there's somebody from this year, so that's the 2018 movie season. Right. What's my number one of 2018? I don't know. Oh, you know who should have been nominated? Who? John David Washington for Black Klansman. Yeah, that would where be great. Was, where, where was he in that category? You could have given me what's his fate. You could have given me Adam Driver for Best Sporting for that too. Chadwick Boseman for Black Panther. Yeah. Just saying. Anyways, Black Panther. Now the that was the one. little things. <laughs> um, it's a little thing. So yeah. this is our second outing with a Warner Brothers HBO Max film. Uh, so far we're we, not sold. Apparently, <laughs> we I, aren't. I am. I love the service. Uh, <laughs> it is the app is horrible. I will state that once again. Another influx of people because of this coming out, clearly. And you guys just, you got to fix your algorithm. Dude, they have, they recommend movies now based on astrology. They have a horoscope section where you go in. I was so excited. And I was like, this, okay, this is cool. This is interesting. All of the recommendations, trash. Across the board. For your month or my month? For all of them. How do you know that, though? I scrolled through them all. So you're saying the the, out- con- the connections they were making between like this is your horoscope, mm-hmm. and this is the movie or television show that we picked to represent that. Very clunky, quite a stretch. I'd be interested to see what yours were. They're probably the same as yours. What are you talking about? I mean, like what your month was. 
Oh, I don't o- know off the top of my head. For October, what the movie they recommended for you, because the movie they recommended for me for January fit for me perfectly. What was it? I don't remember, but I was like, <laughs> I like, that looks neat. I could buy that being a me movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, apparently, it works for some people. So Yeah. yeah. You have to believe in astrology for it's it to work. the way that you use it. It comes yeah. and it goes. It's a little things, no? Boy, don't you know. What, dude? Roam if you want to, Noah. Roam around the world. <laughs> okay. Find your find your inner... Dude, also that. We kicked off with like, dude, interesting. All right, you're going to give me B-52s and use it in like a creepy context? I'm down. And then we get into Academy Award nominee for 1917 and a billion other things. Thomas Newman's score for this movie, which sounds like it was made in the 90s. There's some like vaguely Middle Eastern like Vox vocals built in here. Mm-hmm. It's just trash, man. I did not like it. Um, this movie does not deserve a Cliff Martinez score, but if you threw one on it, then we can have a conversation. Just saying, for doing LA crime movies. Yeah. Dude, there's a moment where he's like interviewing Rami Malik's talking to one of the families. And they're watching home videos, and I was like, John Lee Hancock, you seen Manhunter? Yeah. You a fan? You a fan? I get it. Because you're watching the whole movies. The framing is very similar as well. I'm like, dude, you're no Michael Mann. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> set it somewhere else. Seriously, set it somewhere. Get off of his turf. <laughs> so you stay out of L.A., and you stay out of Chicago. What if... What don't, if touch, don't touch man's turf. What if... <laughs> What if in the middle of them leaving, Leto turns on the radio and it's to live and die in a way. He just like turns it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. Oh. I can, I agree with the three casts. I still enjoyed it. I'm, I'm coming at it from a different angle. You're always the more I feel you. Person. I think you're just, I think you're an easy mark for this shit. And I you am. need to be a little more honest with yourself that like, I understand liking it because it hits the beats of stuff that you're comfortable with, but like, you know, you don't have to just give it a pass just because it scratches the itch. You can be a little more critical. Not that you have to be. Your opinion is your opinion. You should stick to it. That's why I love you. Yeah. So this, uh, just to be clear, this is your favorite film of 2021. So far, yes. No, I did watch that, uh, that lockdown one with Chihuahua. Chihuahua Edgy of Four. Yeah. And um, Anne Hathaway, Annie Hathaway. Now I, I did, yeah, I did watch. You know, that you have one. to call her Annie now, right? Why she's rebranding? She's Annie, Annie oh, Hathaway. I thought Annie you were going to tell me she's transitioning. Annie, what would be so wrong with that? I'm just saying. I thought you were going to tell me that's why she had to. We had to call her Annie now, is because she's transitioning. You got to, a fucking bigot over here to Annie Hathaway. We have to cancel you. Yeah, cancel me right now. You know what? Because these. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was Gavin's self-editing, I guess. No, it was self-canceling. That, that was time for you to like just burp. Burp. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get a soundboard in here. That'd be fun. All the colorful language that you that we both use. Yes. But okay. Yeah, color, yeah, Do colorful we, language. Speaking of colorful language. Okay. I, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna tell you what we're doing on two by two retroview in just a minute, but uh, maybe here is where we'll cut into further discussion. Of the little things by two people who liked it a heck of a lot more than me. <laughs> this is uh, this is Gavin and Becky chatting a little more about the little things. This is a little chat about the little things. <laughs> so cute. Here we go. Okay, so let's talk the little things. What did you like about it? Um, I liked everything about it, really. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was really good. Well, what specifically was like one thing you came away from it thinking, huh, interesting? Um, I really liked the ending where Denzel sent him the barrette. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was really profound. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I thought it was... He he kind of paid it forward in a way, I feel, because he, I feel like, got closure mm-hmm. himself in a way, and he was able to provide that for the the detective, the other detective. Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. I'm terrible with names. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he was able to provide that for him so he wouldn't have to go through the same torture that he had gone through himself. Right. So I really, I really liked that part. I think I liked that it was all set in 1990 because that's like the cusp of DNA evidence. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, what, why, why is this so hard? Like just, there's blood everywhere. Like his DNA has got to be there. And I'm like, oh, it did flash up and say 1990. I bet they don't even know what DNA is right now. Yeah. Because... Well, like 95, like JonBenet Ramsey. Is that the one you remember that has like the first bit of like DNA so. as part of the trial? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's what I'm, I'm thinking like in my head. Because they make the reference to, hey, we haven't had this much publicity since the Night Stalker. And they got lucky with the Night Stalker that at that point, 1990, he just quit. Like he had kids and he just stopped. But, you know, they just found him like three years ago. So in my head, I'm like, with the way it ends... They'll eventually get DNA. They'll find DNA. And then they'll be like, oh, this is our dude. And they'll go looking for him. And there won't be much evidence as to where he went or what happened to him. Because by that time, you know. Wasn't the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez? I'm sorry. Richard Ramirez is the Night Stalker. The... Golden State. Killer, Killer, right, was okay. the OG Night Stalker because he was the Night Stalker before Richard Ramirez was, but he was also the Visalia Ransacker and the, he was a Prowler, I think, was the guy, he had a bunch of different names. I was going to say, let's not make mix up our psychos. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, Patton Oswald's wife coined the phrase Golden State Killer in her book, I'll Be Gone in the Night, gotcha. which is a good one. And I think there's a documentary on that on HBO as well. We should mention this is on HBO Max. You probably know that by now if you've been listening to the episode proper that Noah and I are recording. But let's get into that. Noah gave this thing like a 6.5 or something. I was shocked. I mean, I I maybe shouldn't have given it a 9.5, but I think I was just kind of coming off the high of just having seen it and really enjoyed it. Right. I'd say maybe if I had to re-rate it, I'd probably give it like an 8, but still, I'd give it a lot higher than 6.5. And in anywhere in your rating, is it anything to do with, oh, this is brand new and it's in theaters and on my and on HBO Max? Does that have anything to do with it? Because I, if you listen to one of the other episodes, he talked about like that's why he ranked Wonder Woman where it was, mm-hmm. and one of the other guys on the site was like, really, really, you gave it that? And Noah's thinking, oh, well, he's gonna give me shit for like, you know, not giving it more and. I don't remember who it was, was like, no, dude, not even that much. Like, it should be way less. But part of the thing he talked about was it being the, just the the Christmas of it all and it being on, like, you know, 
available free on demand right there that day. And so that's why I want to watch it another time just to sit with it was because I was like, you know, if I had to rate this thing right now after I watched it, because I mean, I watched it like three o'clock in the morning the day it came out. Yeah. Because it was like technically the end of my birthday starting the Friday after my birthday. And I was like, oh, this is dope. But I also didn't catch a few things. Like, I didn't catch the Red Beret part because I was kind of fading towards the end. But I was just like, oh, he sent him a note. Okay, cool. And then when we get to him, I got to burn this thing in this green bag. I was like, what is the importance of that? I don't get it. And then when I watch it the second time, I'm like, oh. Yeah, he bought him. And I think that that's maybe why I changed my rating a little bit is because for me, at least, there was a lot of predictableness to it. Mm -hmm. Because there were a couple instances where I was like, oh, this is about to happen. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just kind of knew. Yeah, I asked you if you'd read the Wikipedia. I was like, did you read this? Like yeah, I didn't. I, I'm just that good. Um, no, I didn't read I didn't read anything about it. I had no idea. But there were quite a few things that I was able to call out that happened right after. Um, him hitting Jared Leto with the shovel, that took me by surprise. Yeah, me too. Um, I didn't predict that one. But um, what do you think of Jared Leto? What do you think he did here? Perk wanted Perk was saying when I talked to him before this, before he watched it, that he wanted him it to be like really big for him because he thought he sucked as the Joker. <laughs> oh gosh, what, I loved him as the Joker. Really? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It was it was today's Joker. Okay. Do you think it would be better if we saw like the uh, David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad where he's in it more? I still think he's in it long enough. Yeah, he's not. And like the whole reason why he's why he had like what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, so I don't know if you know this, but allegedly the re the reason why he has a grill is that Harley Quinn beat Robin to death, but Batman took it out on the Joker and like smashed his face in, so he has that grill, and that's why he has the tattoo of the smiley face over his hand is to like remind Batman every time he sees him like. You did this to me, and I didn't do anything. I didn't touch your boy wonder sidekick. That was all my lady. But, like, I'm going to remind you every time of this tattoo and, you know, show you that this is you, you busting my teeth out and making me get a grill. You going too far. You had no reason to. Yeah, I may be, like, the clown prince of crime, but, like, I didn't do this one, and you, you lost control. And that's, like, but I don't think that's, they don't explain that at all whatsoever in the Suicide Squad we got. Yeah. And so... I'm thinking if they do release a David Ayer cut, that that might be in there and it might make some more sense. But well, for um, for the little things, I thought Leto's performance was outstanding. Um, I thought he did really well. He was very, very believable mm -hmm. and very. Um, I didn't look at it as Jer Jared Leto with a gut and stringy hair, and you know, it was he was this person. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just it, it was a really good performance from him. I'm just happy he got off that island he was on. That was ridiculous. Like, he like he has literally been, like, on an island with a bunch of 30 Seconds to Mars fans, like, building some weird, like, commune, whatever space area. And it's like, they're making a killing off of these people who are paying money to come out there. And I'm like, wow. okay, maybe he should, uh, maybe he should take a break. So I was happy that he came back to this. And I'm hoping that, you know, I don't know. I quit listening to 30 Seconds to Mars a long time ago. But <clears throat> hopefully... <clears throat> this will bring out is that oh I thought Allie G was on the TV I'm sorry um but yeah I I don't know do you 
Do you want to count up the ways that we think that maybe, possibly, it is he is the killer? It was him the entire time? Because I feel like there's certain things. That they, the movie goes a long, long, long way to tell you that, you know, oh, it's inconclusive. We can't 100% assume it's him in light of there not being any DNA. So do you think, after all is said and done, that, you know, against spoilers, they got their guy? I feel... 98% confident because I think that there's always that slight chance that it was someone that they didn't see coming mm-hmm. um, but I feel pretty confident just based off of what um, Denzel's character found in his apartment um, based off of the FBI's initial profile of him mm-hmm. it, they were just describing Leto's character to a T okay um, so I, I'm pretty confident that it was him. See, for me, it was that the FBI's description in the end is kind of like a, I think it makes the movie, the movie trying to lean towards a, Hey, it was this guy. But what did it for me was like, Hey, uh, we require 12 markers for a bite mark for it to count in court. This guy has eight. Okay. It's just there. All right. This fingerprint is just there. All these things are just there, but then when you get into his apartment, you've got a police scanner, you've got, you know, hidden newspaper clippings of everything, mm-hmm. no physical evidence, but he's also smart enough to know that, like, oh, they're going to be doing this, they're going to be doing that. So the whole misdirect of, oh, I've never killed anybody before, and, you know, he committed, he admitted to a crime he didn't commit, all that kind of stuff. I take that as him just taunting and toying with because he's not aware of DNA yet. Like, he knows... I mean, I'm I'm of a I'm of the mind that before DNA came around, if you just weren't there when the crime happened, when the police showed up, you could get away with it. And I mean, essentially, that's what Golden State Killer did. He just wasn't there when like when the crimes were, when the police showed up after the crimes were committed, and you got away with it. So I'm I agree with you. I believe that like they got their guy outside of the law, but they got him. And the only thing that would have been a gut punch would have been like. You know, as they're the FBI is like reading that off, somebody's like, beep, 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 we got another one. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah. that would have been the worst. But yeah, I don't I really don't like loose endings on movies. They really frustrate me. Um, although there was a little bit of a loose ending with I think it was Rhonda that they were trying to find um, with the, the Brett. Oh, yeah. They just I never could that find was her. A character. Yeah, just, yeah. We don't know what happened with her, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like. At least they didn't um, have that where, oh, we got another body. Then it's like, oh, gosh, we didn't get him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like it kind of left us feeling like we did get the right guy, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, and, and I think that the car, the car dance, if you will, the yeah. <laughs> driving on one side of the freeway and stopping in the... Um... How's the trunk space? That was my favorite. <laughs> like, one, he's not going to hear you through that without the window rolled down. Like Denzel yeah. rolls his window down, but he doesn't. How's the trunk like that? I I loved that yeah. whole exchange, and that kind of made it solidified it for me more that he was the killer, you know. Because I feel like if you have no reason to pay attention, who's been following you to pay, you know, to pay attention and things like that, you haven't done anything. So why would you be so keen as to who's where, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he was, and the fact that he was screwing with him mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like they telegraph it a little earlier because, like, when Denzel comes back, to like, who says they don't return to the scene of the crime? And he asks, like, what mile marker did you find that body at? Oh, 450, whatever. And that's where he's standing, and he's just been there with Cheddar Leto. It's like either he is just – he just somehow – I mean, it wasn't released to the public apparently – that they didn't, they didn't release where they found her at, but Leto knew to come there. Exactly. And to follow him there. Right. Like, so I think it does enough for me to give you enough things to say, look, this is the dude. Mm-hmm. But also it's a look at, like, how do you prove that and come forward with that in a world where there's no cell phones, there's no DNA, there's no massive computer base. You know, I feel like everything, it's one of those, like, oh, this all could be solved if it was now. And I like the idea to set it in the 90s where it's like, no, you had to go, counties had to talk to different police precincts and jurisdictions to get evidence. But that's the whole reason he goes back to his old precinct anyway, is to pick up evidence. Yeah. You know? And so just looking at, like, how a crime would get solved when we have, what, 20, 30 different TV shows out now that's like, boom, boom, boom. Law and order, they have evidence and DNA and all that in the hour that we watch the show. And it's like, no, these things take time. And I think that's the difference in why some people are like, oh, you know, I want justice, I want this. And it's like, well, you could have a situation where it's like uh, like Just just Mercy, what I was just watched with um, Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. It's like, you could have that where it's like, well, there's plenty of wrongful deaths right here. We've been in Mississippi or Alabama or wherever it has been, you know, killing people for crimes they didn't commit for years. So I think it's just, I like the fact that they said it in the 90s and dated it. And realizing that the second time, I didn't see any vehicles that looked out of place. They all looked like, okay, it's 20 years after the 70s and the Night Stalker. People are still driving what may be late model stuff, but it looks legit, yeah. you know. And, of course, when I was in 1990, I was only two years old. I wasn't paying attention to what's on the road. So could have very well been just old, old, older, like, metal, deep-bodied cars from Detroit. No, yeah, weren't any kind of Japanese plastic, you know, electric razor cars. None of that. It was all, you know, just, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I'm still sitting at a nine with it. Just part and parcel, everything, all to do with it. And I'm looking forward to the next big thing that's coming out next month. Um on HBO on demand slash in the theater, Judas and the Black Messiah. That looks like a real good one. But so you're you're still at an you said an eight point five right now. As in an eight. Eight, okay. Nine point five to eight. Okay. All right. It can fluctuate. That's you know, that's yeah, cool. I, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um yeah. but I don't think it was like jaw droppingly amazing. Yeah, it's not um, like seven or any other kind of big crazy police you know. I feel like there's several police like procedural movies or like just police crime stories in general that like have that like whoo like shocker moment like obviously seven with the what's in the box at the end i'll even go usual suspects with the whole ending of that um other random uh i don't know i'm trying to think of other big cops and stuff um you know i can't remember anyway This has been a fun little chat about the little things, and uh, we will be back. I guess we're going to go back to the episode proper with me and Noah. I don't know. I don't know where Noah's going to put this, but thanks for sitting down and talking to me about this movie, and um, I guess we'll catch the next one that comes out on HBO Max. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah.
Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I, I hope we can, I mean, we don't have to do it every episode, but maybe we can keep the streak going of like, every time we get together, dude, we I'm got getting, a little, I'm little taste. Be- I'm from... getting better with the task cam every time out, dude. I got to apologize yeah, to everybody people... now. If you listen to Den of Thieves, uh, I went out and bought a nice microphone. Did not realize I had to have that microphone plugged up to a power source. That's why it only sounded like I was talking. When you heard Perk's thoughts, yeah, I have recorded stuff I, uh, since with him with I, two I've learned good a lot. microphones. I've learned a lot about audio editing, but I'm not a miracle worker. All right, <laughs> I did my best, so uh, I hope people. Your best. I hope people stuck around. Losers that, whine about their best, <laughs> Noah. Winners go home and, and fuck the prom, prom queen. queen. Okay, Carla was the prom queen. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yes, thank you to Becky for checking in. Uh, we look forward to future appearances from from her and from Perk. You said you guys are working on a. Uh, you want to tease this before yeah, we talk about tentative title for this tentative new, title tentative title for this new thing we're doing in the vein of like cheesy, terrible, in movie, action movie trailers. Which I can only think of one movie. It's the one that we're one we pulled from. We've decided we think we're going to call this show. Little do you know. With Black Hammer and White Lightning. I, of course, am White Lightning. Perk is Black Hammer. Okay. It's a play on Major League Two. If you don't know what we're talking about, fuck you. Better, you. <laughs> you better ask somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't know, you better ask somebody. That's a good one. Um, I like I like using dad quotes in that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to it. Uh, I guess that'll be, we'll, we'll premiere it on here, and then once you guys have some episodes banked up, it'll be its own special solo feed. Yeah, probably. You can just do whatever the heck you want with it. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's loosely based around entertainment, but as it's as we've been recording these, it seems like it's growing into this other thing. That's like he wants like other people that are into movies and stuff to come on, so it'll have that vague, that like anchoring premise of like we're coming together to talk about pop culture movies. It's about life, baby. But it will divulge into so many different other things. I look forward to and it. And I love it. And I'm yeah. just glad I get a chance to record with my buddy and just have a record of, of us just yeah. there and look, we, we talked about, you know, making a Patreon only one and just, you know, not editing the names, not protecting the innocent and if the stories are the stories and you happen to be in them, we're sorry. And making people pay for it so right. that those people who you talk about can then come sue you and be like, Where's my paycheck? Where the fuck is my paycheck for yeah. using my story and my uh yeah, but see, My they're just the first likeness. They're, uh, they're just an, a first name in a podcast. If if they think it's about them, it's about them. If they oh, don't, okay, they don't. I see how it works. Yeah, okay. no, we're not gonna, you know. Gotcha. We don't do last names. That I guess that may still protect the innocent. Okay, well, people can look forward to the premiere of that hopefully within like the next month, and yeah, then yeah. the the series proper possibly launching in uh, year five here at the Archive, which yeah. is right around the corner. That's what I'm, I want to do. I want to kind of drop it like February ish. Yeah. Had nothing to do with the fact it's Black History Month and it's me and Perk, but like drop it in February, see what people think about it. If they dig it and want more of it, then uh, there'll be more. If they're like, eh, could care less, all right, that's fine. Don't know what metric to use. You know, now you have me rethinking my two by two pick. What is that? Maybe I should have done something for for Valentine's Day and or Black History Month because I didn't in neither. Okay, doesn't matter. But I I will wait to see what yours is. No, no, no you go ahead. You first. No, 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 no. I revealed first last time. Okay. So we're flip-flopping. Okay, if you're not familiar, 2 by 2 Rush Review, we each pick a movie for each other. We have to watch it in the intervening week. And we're going to get together to talk about it. The general rule, movie's got to be at least, at least 10 years or older. 
Okay. Okay. We broke the rule for the first one this season. We're not doing that again. Do not try and sneak lockdown in on... Wait a minute. It is 2010. <laughs> is it 2010 20, oh, or 2012? Oh, God damn it. I just, I just you might have just screwed yourself right over there, buddy. Let's see. What was your pick going to be? It's not even locked. It's not even locked down. It's lockout, and your lucky lockout was 2012. <laughs> you just got to wait one more, one more year. year. Yep. And we, if we keep doing this. I want you to watch, and I'm, I for some reason, I just checked a minute ago, and I apologize. I thought it was free streaming. I'll give you the money for it. I want you to watch Shakedown. Okay. 1988. Okay. Peter Weller, Sam Elliott. Peter Weller's a DA. Sam Elliott's an undercover cop in New York. The tagline for the movie is, whatever you do, don't call the police. It's wild, dude. You know, you told me a bit about it. It is wild. I liked it. I it, and it was free streaming, and that's why it was where I was going. But I didn't realize that it's, it's since gone to like three ninety nine. But it's whatever. Okay. Well, this is going to be our least listened to one of this season for sure. Because I also have one that you got to pay for. Oh well. You don't have to. I'm going to give you my Blu-ray. Okay. But uh, well, yeah. And since you're my backup Valentine's Day pick, I was thinking Mona Lisa. But we're not going to do that. What Mona Lisa? The Bob Hoskins movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll get to it eventually. Uh-huh. We'll get to it eventually. And then you and then you remind me that it's Black History Month, and I, I, had, some, I had some thoughts. Red Tails? I was thinking, like, Clockers? Okay. But, but I'm going to go with the movie I already prepped and watched last night, so okay. I could pick it for this episode. All right. And it ties in quite nicely, because you, you watched one of his movies recently. We're going back to 1977. No. One of the most legendary directors of all time. You maybe watch Jaws. That's 75. We're Star Wars. I was then my buildup was going to be towards like <laughs> it's about a group of friends on a mission, an impossible mission. Dark Star. And no, no, I was going to build it up as if it was Star Wars and be like, no, it's the movie that came out the same weekend. William Friedkin's Sorcerer were finally Fuck doing yes, it. <laughs> I'm just giving you presents so far. Okay. You know, the pledge, you know. It was a gift. It, yeah, it was a gift, but it wasn't a present. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Save the presents for after my birthday. This is the, the second appearance of old Billy Friedkin on 2x2 Retro Review. It was one of our biggest successes last time, at least with Gavin's personal taste to live and die in L.A. The question remains, will you like Sorcerer more? Or slightly less. Either way, I think it's going to be a fun one to talk about with you. I mean, I like that Killer Joe movie. I can't imagine not liking this Sorcerer movie. You told me it's like four dudes going over, over this crazy road in four. cars. Yeah, Roy man. Scheider's in there. I mean, what do you got to lose? How do you get, how do you not like a movie with Roy Scheider in it? it re, let me tell you, dude. Rewatching this last night, I put it on. It started raining last night. Uh-huh. Okay, it was storming all day today. I throw this on. A little after midnight, because I'm like, you know, I've been wanting to rewatch it. I had it in contention for two by two. So I was like, let's knock it out. Maybe this is my pick. Maybe maybe the best, I don't know, maybe the best opening, like, 20, 25 minutes of a movie ever. And then also, like, there's a couple sequences that are, like, maybe it's, like, the best 10 minutes, like, ever. I, I fucking loved it. I can't wait to talk about it with you. It's so great. I got my Blu-ray downstairs for you. 
and I guess I, I'm actually very excited to watch this because I remember you talking about it during, I want to say like pre-October, when purging for October, when we mm-hmm. talked about everything we were watching beforehand. And who doesn't like Peter Weller and Sam Elliott? So, all right. So what's the name of that one again? So, Shakedown. Okay. So uh, our February episode of 2 by 2 we're doing Shakedown from 1988. I would have been five months old when this movie came out. Hell yeah. And we're going to do uh, Sorcerer from old William Friedkin back in old 1977. Both of those are available on Amazon Prime. If they are available streaming on any other services, I will note it in the show notes. And but it, could, based like on it literally could change like tomorrow, Monday. Because yeah. I feel like things update Monday morning when they're Tuesday different. usually. But Tuesday. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tuesday. Um, so it could change. Yeah, based on what I'm seeing right now, just available as rentals on Prime. But I... I highly recommend a blind buy for Sorcerer if you've never seen it. Uh, if you can get your hands on the Blu-ray, if you want to Amazon it, uh, yeah, a, a a masterpiece in my opinion. Let we'll see know, what old Gavin thinks. Of. Let me know what day you want to try and watch it because I will I will use my gift card to purchase it under under Mom's thing. Okay, and uh, fair enough. Or do you? How does that? I don't know. I've got a gift card for twenty five bucks. I didn't know if, if if that was her that handled it or you, but I could just give you that and just like throw that on there as a credit to have, and we could just use it for movies because I got it for my birthday. But okay. anyway, we'll figure it out. Indeed, we will figure it out. Uh, so I think that'll be the next time you hear from us. It'll be a two by two uh, review, right? For February, maybe we'll do something beforehand. Maybe we'll do a top five alternative romance movies. Maybe a little something different for Valentine's Day. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, like outside of the rom com, well, we, no, well, we more just like movies that we haven't done like our favorite like love stories. Let's do like top, top five non traditional love stories. There, I'm done. Let's okay, do it. so it'll be one of those two things, but that'll be a plan. We got two episodes, to, you know, yeah. in the hopper for right. February, and we'll figure out the rest as we go. We'll get three going uh, for March, four going for April, and five going there, for May. There you go. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's joined us so far this year. Uh, Things are going well on the feed. I think people are enjoying uh, what we're talking about. So, I hope so. Hopefully you stick around. We'll be back soon. Uh, this uh, 2021's looking pretty good so far. Uh, we got some, some more HBO movies headed our way. Excuse me. Our Black History Month movie is going to be Judas and the Black, Black Messiah. Messiah. Of course. What am I talking about? I cannot fucking wait. For now that, that one I am incredibly amped for and is one that I'm like, please don't, like, Please don't let me down. By all accounts, a great early buzz on it. Can't wait to see it. Uh, but that'll be the next HBO one that you and I will be doing. I might have sure. to just buy Perk HBO Max and like tell him or give him the login and be let like, get watch the, this. Uh, hold on one moment. Let me get the date on that, baby. It's the 23rd, I think. If it's not the 18th, it's I the 23rd. I think they moved it up. Judas and the Black Messiah. February 12th. No. Two days before Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. So, uh, we'll figure that out. We're going to try and talk about that one. Let's let's, let's just tie that into that, baby. Yeah, sure. We could, listen. Why not? Judas and the Black Messiah Review and Top 5 Non-Traditional Love Stories. Not that we're saying that that is a non-traditional love story, but maybe it is. It could be. We'll see. You never know. We'll find out. We will. All right. And you ne- know why we next know time it? on the RKV. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We should just keep doing that. Like it's a continuous episode thing. Like uh, find out next time. Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah. Same arc time, same 
Arc Podcast. Until then, I've been Noah. And I've been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. And just remember, it's the little things, Gavin. It's the little things that get you caught. Yeah. I don't know about you, but my dick is hard. It's Chinese arithmetic right now from talking about this movie. Mine, All jazzed up. Mine is too, but it's <laughs> probably because I'm 33 now and I have a prostate problem. I need to go to the bathroom. Okay. All right. Is the episode over? Maybe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bye. Bye.